Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. We started this journey last week, and as uh, if you were watching us online or here, you heard me say we're, we're going to spend the next several months in the book of Exodus journeying through this story because as we study the book of Exodus, what we find is God is a God who rescues, redeems, and saves. And so uh, as we do that, you'll see that. Uh, Greg, you turned me off here. And so... Um, I'll let you try to, you know, there it is. So if you have your Bibles, we'll go there, we'll be there in just a second. Now let me ask you, some of you are history buffs like uh, um, Jesse Brown is. Let me ask you this simple question. What would you have said if, if this was uh, a pop quiz and you were having to answer it? What would be one of the most darkest days in the U.S. history? Now think about that for a moment. That crossed my mind because this week uh, our, the Pew Research Organization came out and, and they had polled America and 12% of Americans are, feel comfortable with, with where we are as a country at the moment. That's down because in April, while we were in the middle of coronavirus, we were at 33% felt comfortable with where we are. So we're at 12% now, and so uh, it made me think, you know, people, obviously there, there have been people who've been frustrated through this coronavirus. In fact, show of hands, anybody honest? There's been moments of frustration for you during this? You can't go someplace, can't do something, you, you know. Um, and, and so that made me think, what, are, what were the darkest days? You got your answer? See if I hit one of these. I, I'm not suggesting these are the only ones, but... Um, time permitted me to, to hit a lot of them, but I, I picked a few that I, I would say were dark days for America. Uh, April 14th, 1865. I wish I would have not put the, uh, what happened on that date just to quiz a few of you. Some of you would have got these. Assassination of Lincoln. Uh, I, I think that was probably a moment in our country that was a dark day. April 24th, 1929. The stock market crashed. Uh, and I've done these by years. They're not in any particular order. But, you know, the stock market crashed. And in fact, I can remember as, as a child hearing about the, the effects of that. December 7th, 1941. Anybody ring a bell with that one? That was the attack of Pearl Harbor. Many of our family members can relate to that one. November the 22nd, 1963, the assassination of JFK. This, this group, you know, there are certain moments in life when, when it happens, you remember where you were. How many remember where you were when you heard the assassination of JFK? Yeah, lots of hands. And you, you no doubt, probably the, the, the a flood of emotions on that day. Flood of emotions of, of what's happening and what's going on. 
And then the last one I have, I think is no surprise for us, is September 11, 2001, 9-11 attack. Again, that's another one that people know exactly where they were. Greg and I were together that day, sitting in a staff meeting, and somebody walked in and said, some uh, plane has hit the, uh, secretary's come in and said, plane has hit the towers. Our immediate thought was a, a Cessna. You know, some, some yahoo doesn't have his pocket, you, you know, trying to learn how to, <laughs> trying to learn how to fly. <laughs> wasn't pointing at you there, Mike. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a, it wasn't until after staff meeting, we, we left our church at that, that location, didn't have any access to te- TV. It was after that staff meeting, I found myself in front of a TV for the next few hours. You know, dark days. Um, and as our country has experienced dark days like these, uh, dark days tend to lead to dark moments in our life, don't they? I mean, um, there'll be a moment when we look back and determine uh, how COVID-19 has played an effect on people. What our life was like before COVID to what it's like after. And we're still unraveling how this is dramatically affecting the United States through, through the economic, through the mental, through the social aspects of, of this. Well, in Exodus, we find another story of a dark day. It, it's, a, it's a dark moment for the people of Israel. And today, what I want us to catch is I want us to, as we look at these verses, I want you to, to realize that God is still in control in the midst of the darkness. So if you have your Bibles and you are at Exodus 1, would you stand with me? We're going to read verses 8 through chapter 2, verse 10. If you're able to stand, please do. Beginning in verse 8. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithiom and Ramses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and in mortar and in all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. The king of Egypt said to, Hebrew, to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shiphrah, and the second whose name was Puah, when you, come, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him. But if it is a daughter, she may live. The midwives, however, feared God. 
and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summons the midwives and asks them, Why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, You must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile. But, but let every daughter live. Chapter 2. Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child. And there he was, a little boy, crying. She felt sorry for him and said, This is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child, nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. You may be seated. In these verses this morning, I want us to catch this simple truth today. God is at work even in the darkest times. Therefore, our faith requires us to trust And patiently wait for God. That even in the darkest moments, God is at work. Without a question, this is a dark moment in the life of Israel. We read in Scripture, what we see in Scripture is that we are never merely gripped in our current situation. We're never really merely gripped in this life's circumstances, but we were always gripped by the hand of God. Our life situations are coming and going. We're never held tight to those, but we're always in the hand of God. God is always at work. God is always providing. It's endless care. So, Pastor, why did you use the word secret? Well, the Bible tells us his ways are not our ways. We don't know God's plan, do you? I mean, do you know God's ultimate plan? No. Do you know when God's going to return? No. Many people overdo the book of Revelation, overdo 
the prophets trying to figure out when God's going to come back and, and listen. Just enjoy life while you got it. We don't know. If God showed us everything, the question is, would we really, would we really journey along the path with him? If you knew what you, were, what you knew now, would you have done all the things? And you go, well, yeah. But see, that's easier to say at this point looking backwards than it is standing at the beginning wondering if you can make it through the journey. When we look back over the 400 years of Israel's history, it's, it's nothing. But when you're standing in the middle of it looking at the beginning, it's a different thought, different feeling. So we've got to lean on God's secret and ceaseless care for us. We don't know all the answers, but we know who does. And realize he, is, he never stops caring. We're always gripped in his hands. Life circumstances we may think have gripped us, but they really haven't because God's still got a hold of us. And we find that as we look at this text and we begin to wrestle with what is happening with these people, and we find that God is still got a hold of them because in chapter 2, we begin the chapter by talking about this Levite man who marries this Levite woman. And there's no names there to them, although we know later what the the names of Moses' parents are. But the point of chapter 2, the beginning, is not who his parents is, but that God is at work. And that God is at work in bringing this child into this world, and this child will, will, will be a part of God's plan. Which leads me to the second thing this morning is to live with expectancy. Live with expectancy. We look at God's story from Genesis to Revelation. God reveals himself and uses almost always people who are weak or the world says they're nothing. Being you look at the band of disciples for, for Jesus. I mean, nobody else, no other reputable rabbi had fishermen for his band of disciples. Certainly no one would have a tax collector. I mean, who would have thought Paul could have been the greatest evangelist ever? greatest church player. This man made a living and enjoyed persecuting people. Let's even take that further. He enjoyed killing, seeing people killed. God is always, almost always using people who are in the world's mind the weakest, the nobodies. And so in, in our text, we, we find God doing that again. Look, look again with me at the verse 17. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. They let the boys live. 
these Egyptian women, these Hebrew midwives, these, these ladies who are nobody, who can't, ha- who can't even have children of their own until God blesses them, they, they become somebody. Now remember I told you that, that Pharaoh had decided we're going to kill all the boys and keep all the girls. We, we, will, we will do that. Well, when we look at this story, look at the women who play the role in this story. Um, let's look, we see here, I used this verse a minute ago, now a, a man from the family of Levite married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she saw that he was beautiful, and she hid him for three months. So we find where, where Moses' mother had this child, loved this child so much that she just can't see him thrown into the river. So you have the Hebrew midwives who play an active role in letting the boys live. We have this Levite woman who at this moment in the story is not even named. It's just because it's about her having a beautiful child. Verse 4 of the text. Then Moses' sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. This daughter, this young girl, stands on or hides on the, the bank of the Nile, taking watch over her son or her, her, her brother. And, and loving him from a distance. No doubt has this moment of, uh-oh, he's crying, and, and they're here. What do I do? Watching from a distance. But see, that's not all the women who play a role in, in God's redemption story. Verse 10 tells us, And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she became her son, and she named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Pharaoh's own daughter plays a part in God's plan to bring back Israel. Are you a half, a glass half empty or a glass half full person? I like to always say I'm a glass half full, but I honestly there there are moments when I'm a half empty person and I have to pick myself up and remind myself God is still in control. I need to live with the expectancy of of my faith that God can change every situation. And God can do it in ways that I don't even see possible. Pharaoh never dreamed women could have such an effect. Never thought, let's kill all the boys, keep the girls, we'll make money off this deal. And yet they were the ones who make this redemption story possible. Because they become the people God uses. The third thing we find from our text today is simply this. Learn to have patient faith. Learn to have patient faith. 
You know, saying, I don't pray for patience because I'm afraid God will give it to me. Can I just tell you that's just, that's just funny? Because God's going to give us patience whether we're praying for it or not. It's just a whole lot easier if we start praying for it because we'll be recognizing it. I mean, we've had to be patient during this coronavirus, have we not? I mean, you, you got to stay six feet apart. You can't go in certain places. You can't see certain things. Can't. Some of you, I've been told, have learned about this new invention in your house. It's called an oven. You know, it used to be the place where you hide Christmas presents. And we've had to have patience, right? We've had to have patience to know and to survive. Imagine being Israel at this time, the people of Israel. What kind of patience would they have to have? God is always at work. God is always at work. What did he tell Abraham? He'd be the father of many nations. You'll have more children than the stars in the sky. Patience. Israel had to remember that. And Genesis, he says this. God said, I am God, the God of your fathers. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make you into a great nation. In that same chapter, we read God's having the conversation that Jacob and his family all come to Egypt. And there's 70 men, is what they count there, and their family. By the time we get to Exodus chapter 12 and the people of Israel leave, do you know how many people there are? Over 600,000 men and their families. God was at work. They just couldn't see it. They just didn't recognize that God was working. For you and I, we, we have to do the same. In moments that are dark, whether it's, it's a dark moment for us, personally that we're going through when we're, we're saying goodbye to a loved one or dealing with a health issue or our children are rebellion or, or we have a job issue or our neighbors are fighting. Whatever the dark moment is, we have to do the same as we do at this moment during a pandemic, during the dark periods of our time, is we need to, to lean in on God's secret and ceaseless care for us. To hold tight knowing that nothing in this world can grip us outside of God. Because God is in control. To live with expectancy. Looking each day to see where God is and what God is doing. And what we need to do for God. And we need to learn patient faith. Oh, I wish God would hurry up and do things, don't you? I don't always, I do not need an amen from the front row, but I'm not always a patient person. You know. But we need to wait and be patient on God.
So how do we do all these things? Well, Max Lucado wrote a book years ago entitled Six Hours One Friday. In, in that book, he, he tells about a moment in his life when he and some college buddies bought a boat. It was, you know, living out on the ocean. Let's, let's buy a boat. It'll be, it'll be fun. We'll all go in. It won't, won't cost any of us any r- real money. We'll all just kind of pitch in kind of thing. Probably, truth be known, he doesn't write this, but pr- probably, truth be known, they all pitched in what, whatever they had to, to get a boat, and that was about it. But if you live next to the ocean, or you're out next to the ocean, especially if you boat, you've got to expect hurricane season. Well, hurricane came. These young college students decided, we've got to go get our boat. What do we do with a boat in a hurricane? So they all go to the hardware store, buy as many ropes and, and things that they could buy. They go out to the boat, and they begin to tie that boat at every place they could find on that boat. They tied it to this pier. They tied it to this tree. They tied it to this. It looked like, he says, a boat caught in a, in a spider web that, that afternoon. As they're looking at the job they did, there comes this old man whose skin was just as like leather. You know, he'd spent his life on the, life on the ocean. You know, he a salty dog kind of guy and they they encountered him and he said boys you want me to give you some advice we'll take anything you get untie that thing untie that boat and push it off and then anchor deep he said push it off and anchor deep so when the wind the, the storm comes you're anchored correctly this way, when the storm comes, you're grasping for everything you can get. And when the storm takes it, now you're tied to it. In moments of dark days, we tend to reach out and grab anything we can get, don't we? We need any self-help we can find. We, we'll read whatever book anybody tells us, but the truth of the matter is we need to anchor deep into God and His Word. We need to lean in on God and trust Him. We need to have quiet patience knowing God is in control that if we'll walk by faith, He will will lead us. And so this morning, are you anchored deep? Do you have a relationship with God in such a way that that transcends your life, that in the moments of the dark days that you have that faith to hold tight. Maybe today, if you don't, maybe today's the day you you come to know Christ. It's by recognizing what Christ did on the cross, believing in your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead and he is who he says he is, and committing your life to him. Maybe today is the day you need to recommit your life to to a God who's never walked away from you. You've, you've thought of him like the couple driving down the road. And the woman looks to her husband and says, you know, we've driven many miles down this road. And he says, yes. She said, we used to sit a whole lot closer. After a moment, he looked at her and said, I haven't moved a bit. God hadn't moved. We have. 
Maybe today you need to, to commit your life. Today, if that's the thing for you, I, I'll be here in the hallway. You can stop me and we'll, we'll work out a way to have a conversation. If you're watching us online or television, you can reach out to us this week at the office or, or email me directly. We want you to have a right relationship with God. Would you pray with me today?